Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. Hope you're having a great day. I have to first thank Highmark. Highmark is our lead sponsor of this radio show and has been for several years, and they are just just a great company. David Holmberg, CEO, and Deb Rice Johnson, the president. My hat's off to both of you. Thank you so much for your support. And AudioEye. AudioEye, one of the best answers today to your problems with digital accessibility with your web. They have a great technology, great software product, AudioEye. Well, I have to give a special shout-out first to my dear friend, Yoshiko Dart. Hello, Yoshiko. I hope you're having a great day. And wait a minute to all my friends throughout the world. I cannot believe we have such a large listening audience in Ireland. Hey, you guys really rock. You are just unbelievable. But I want to mention, I am doing this show today live from Cigna in Philadelphia, home of the Philadelphia Eagles who will be playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, I am from Pennsylvania, so hey, we're all rooting for you, Philadelphia Eagles. And it is also the home of these great, great people that work in the customer support area, really committed to employing people with disabilities. They are so awesome, and specifically, hey, Dan the man, Dan. I'm giving you a special shout-out for all of your support, and I know all of your colleagues will be so happy to tease you about this, but Dan, do love you, and Tara, thank you so much for all you're doing. So, we have a guest today, someone that I just think the world of. Um, I liked him from my first met him, even before I met him, Mary Brocker, uh, our COO told me how awesome he is, and she was right. And I am proud to say he, too, is from Pennsylvania. He is a great disability rights leader. He is the director of the Pennsylvania Bureau of Blind and Visual Services. Welcome to the show, Joe Strecce. Thank you, Joyce. I really appreciate it. And I also love your, uh, uh, your really uh, favor for the Eagles right now because I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. So go birds, fly, Eagles, fly. That's right. Well, we're cheering for you. We're cheering for you um, next Sunday, right? Next Sunday. Uh, two next Sundays. Next Sunday. When is it? Uh, two Sundays from now. Two Sundays. Wow, two Sundays from now. You have all that time to cheer and get fired up. Yes, I say as a Pennsylvanian, go to the Philadelphia Eagles, and congratulations on winning the conference. So, Joe, in addition to being an Eagles fan, can you tell our listeners about your background? Let's talk about you. Definitely. Thank you, Joyce. So, I'm uh, 39, and I uh, live in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area, and uh, I got the great opportunity to work for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I actually I, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, but both my parents grew up in Pennsylvania, and I spent a lot of time in the summers out in PA. Um, I'm a person who's blind, uh, and I also grew up with a learning disability early on, too, so I uh, struggled to learn to read and uh, so much other uh, around grabbing and uh, understanding the educational material early on until I was taught strategies. But uh, that, those struggles helped lead me and uh, helped me to uh, really understand where I wanted to go uh, over time. So um, I, I, I've worked for uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I've worked for the state of Florida where I supervised all the transition services statewide there. Um, I worked for the American Foundation for the Blind, uh, where I supervised an employment program and mentoring program uh, nationwide and internationally, where I got to work with like 
the World Blind Union, uh, where I was on their employment committee and working to make sure that other countries were getting uh, the same initiatives and opportunities that uh, we have here in, in the United States and making sure that projects that are working in one country can uh, be replicated in other countries. Um, so I was really grateful to work in those, in those realms and as well as with uh, the New Jersey Commission for the Blind where I uh, taught orientation mobility uh, instructed individuals who are blind or visually impaired on how to travel in their environment out in the community using public transportation such as buses and trains and so much more. But uh, really my passion is around transition and employment, really getting people into employment. Uh, you know, I, I had some uh, rough times uh, in my life, but, uh, you know, I had uh, some great opportunities and, uh, and I learned a lot of great skills and I got a lot of great training that led me to those opportunities, uh, but making sure that other individuals have those same opportunities, and, and I, I've seen the good and the bad, and I'm trying to make sure that I bring the good to Pennsylvania. And that you are, may I say, we're so lucky to have you. Joe, if I may ask you, what did you mean when you said uh, that even you went through some difficult times in the Definitely. area searching for a job? Yeah, um, definitely difficulties. Uh, you know, I wasn't introduced to uh, services around my vision early on, and I was dealing with uh, vision loss, uh, and um, and I wasn't really adjusting to it. I wasn't adapting or, or really embracing my disability and understanding it and owning it, um, and it made the employment process difficult and dealing with employers and, and talking about accommodations and knowing how to disclose about my disability and uh, and, and trying to fake it to make it at times, which I, I really changed my point of view over time and, and with a lot of experience of my own, but and also working with a lot of other people. Um, I, I really own my disability. It, it's part of who I am. Um, I don't let it stop me, but I, I, I know what my, where my strengths lie and I know where my weaknesses are. And I utilize a lot of technology out there uh, to help me overcome a lot of those weaknesses. If I may ask you, what would you say was the turning point uh, for you that caused you to say, okay, I have this disability as part of who I am. I'm not ashamed. I embrace it. It's me. What, what would you say that was? I, I would say it was two things. I, I would say it was training, like training in orientation and mobility and, um, and around Braille and uh, daily living skills, but also mentors, uh, intru introduction to successful people who are blind or visually impaired. So I've had all kinds of mentors throughout my life, and, and that has truly impacted my path and who I am. Uh, and I, I continue to give back in that same way to others and uh, schedule calls with young people and, and adults who are blind or visually impaired around the country uh, to help them with their path, too. Yeah. It makes such a difference, mentoring. It really does. Well, I have a question. You know, uh, you were not blind from birth. You became mm -hmm. legally blind when you were 19. So that would have been quite an adjustment. You know, there are people born blind, and there are people that become blind later in their life like you. So for you, what was that adjustment like? Um, you know, like how, how did you feel uh, before and after, and what were the major obstacles that you dealt with? Great question, Joyce. Um, initially, I so I was in my first semester at college at East Carolina University. Go Pirates! Um, I did my yeah. undergrad at East Carolina and my That's right. That's right. graduate work at Florida State University. Go Knowles! But um, at East Carolina, I I was dealing with vision loss and really I, I lost a lot of vision. I became legally blind within a semester of college. I I knew I had a visual impairment, but I had asked doctors about rehabilitation and they said, "Oh, you don't need it. You could use a a night vision optic to make up for that, and and you'll be fine." They're testing some stuff on that, and we would love for you to test that device. Um, and, and I would ask them about, do I need to start using a cane? And they're like, no, nah, you're totally good. You're fine. And oh I really God. got, you know, the, the cliche of uh, you can't see the forest through the trees. And, and I, I got really uh, depressed. I had a hard time. I, I was trying to access my educational, uh, my academics in, at a university, a new university, memorizing around campus at night. I couldn't see anything but some lights. And uh, I would uh, memorize my path uh, and try to get around and it led to a lot of bloody shins. And, uh, and then I, I tried to seek out services uh, in, 
in uh, in that state at that time, North Carolina, and I've heard they they have better services now than then. But um, they kept scheduling appointments and uh, for orientation mobility and would never show up uh, multiple times, like three different times. And uh, it, it got discouraging, but I, I tried to adapt and do what I, I could. I met a couple people, too, who gave me some advice. And eventually, I, I got services from New Jersey. They taught me orientation mobility, and, uh, and it opened up a world. You know, being a confident person who's blind has uh, changed my life, and, and just understanding and embracing the, the white cane as well and, uh, and technology, um, it, it just it made a big difference for me because I, I was – I was lost in that, that, uh, those trees and I couldn't see the forest and, and it took some counseling and assistance and help and looking at my outlook on life. And I, I've never looked back because, uh, really I, I'm so lucky and blessed. Well, you know what that, I mean, you are, and it is your determination that allowed all of this to happen. But I have to say that is terrible what you went through. That really was. That was terrible. And I hope they have changed that because I still believe across the uh, country, possibly in rural areas or wherever it is, people are dealing with issues such as what you brought up. So make sure if you are one of those people to get in touch with me so I can get you in touch with the right people. And if you're in Pennsylvania, we can get you right back in touch with Joe. But right now, we've got to get ready to go to break. If you just joined us, I am live in Philadelphia at Cigna with the opportunity to talk to this great guest, Joe Strecce. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Joe. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. Voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training in technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Podstars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up, but I dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Podstars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at one 866 472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. If you just joined us, we are talking to Joe Strecce from Pennsylvania Blind and Visual Services. And Joe, um, actually, you're the director. You're the director of the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services for the entire Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So for our listeners and their families and friends, uh, what services do you provide in Pennsylvania? Great question. Yeah, we provide an array of services uh, here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Our uh, Bureau... Uh, facilitates through the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation. 
uh, our Independent Living Older Blind program, which serves individuals over the age of 55 in staying independent in their home. A uh, majority of these customers are around 75 or older, I would say, but uh, making sure that they're staying in their home and staying independent because, you know, uh, Medicare or Medicaid costs uh, for nursing homes are, is around $67,000. Private pays around $107,000 in Pennsylvania. And if we can keep people independent uh, and uh, living longer, living in place, stay aging in place versus moving on to some kind of assisted living, uh, we want to do that. It saves uh, the taxpayers money and it also uh, increases the quality of life of the individuals. Um, outside of our independent living older program, uh, older blind program, we have something called the Business Enterprise Program, which is uh, run under the Randolph Shepard Act, uh, federal legislation, and then also uh, the Little Randolph Shepard Act. Uh, and this is a program that provides individuals who are legally blind the opportunity to manage uh, cafeterias or vending uh, within uh, Commonwealth uh, buildings or federal buildings. Um, they manage those buildings. They're uh, provided equipment. Uh, they run the business, and, and it helps develop their small business skills. Um, and they can take those skills and move on someplace else as well. Um, you know, we have our Randall Shepherd, but we also have our General Vocational Rehabilitation Program, which aims to help individuals who are adults uh, move into employment or also post-secondary or uh, some kind of vocational training that will allow them uh, to enter employment. And so we facilitate that. We'll help with that. Um, we will help them figure out the accommodations they might need in, uh, in an employment setting. We'll also help people retain their employment uh, if they're working and uh, uh, obtain a disability or their disability uh, worsens or uh, their accommodation needs change. So we'll help them uh, with that as well as well as the employer business. Um, so that that's something we do with adults. Prior to being an adult, you know, we 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 have an emphasis around transition or pre-employment transition skills, and making sure that individuals in high school and in college have the skills that are necessary to be employed. And the number one predictor of employment after education is prior paid work experience. So uh, that's something we're helping to facilitate, and we're really uh, building out, utilizing a lot of providers uh, around the Commonwealth, and we're, we're hoping to make a big difference with that. Um, it's, it's a great emphasis. It's something that we've known for a long time, but uh, the federal body has really, uh, the United States has really put an emphasis on it with something called the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, uh, which uh, went into effect in uh, 2014. Um, prior to uh, transition, we, we have a uniquely, we have a, something called a children's program, and not all states have a, a, a children's program. Uh, we have a program where we work with parents and families of children uh, from birth up until about uh, 14 or 15, uh, giving them the skills uh, and also training around navigating the educational process, but also connection to resources. Um, we, we have our own orientation and mobility instructors who teach people how to travel independently as an individual who's blind or visually impaired. We have vision rehabilitation uh, therapists or teachers who train people on uh, daily, adapted daily living skills and being independent, whether it's uh, uh, in their home or in a community setting as well. Um, so these instructors get to work with uh, all these programs, and, and that's unique in, in Pennsylvania. Not every, every uh, state is avail has the availability of these types of professionals, especially around uh, the children's program and the independent living older blind program. And we have one of the biggest independent living older blind programs in the, the country, and uh, we feel blessed to be able to provide these services. Wow, that is awesome. I want to go back and ask you a few questions. First, that example you gave me about the uh, uh, nursing home. So mm -hmm. you have a person who is blind, elderly gentleman, um, and what are you going to do to help that person not have to go to a nursing home? Definitely. Uh, all kinds of things, you know, and I'm, I'm really passionate about this for many reasons. One day I will be one of those people. Um, my mom is also blind and she's an older individual uh, who's blind. Uh, she lost her vision later in life than I did in her uh, 50s uh, and, and such. So, um, but we help people. We will go in and help to adapt uh, whether it's uh, devices in the home, 
um, helping them adapt, learn tech, adaptive techniques to cook, clean. Uh, it's really strategies, and, and we've made an emphasis to really make sure we're skill-oriented, those skills that can transfer to, uh, from one device to another, or if it's simple labels marking their stove or their oven or their thermostats or training them on utilizing them. There's a lot of people just assume, uh, like, uh, blindness is a fear. Uh, you know, it's one of the largest fears in America uh, for people, and and I, I, I think it's just a misconception and a misunderstanding because it really blindness is about learning how to do things in a different way and getting access. And, and I'm really passionate around access. And if we can give individuals access to their environment, their community, um, and technology has come a long way. It's making our lives a little easier. And so introducing them to technology, but also introducing them to the skills like that or being able to travel around their neighborhood, go to the grocery store, uh, um, all kinds of things. So it, it really is just learning how to do things in a different way. Okay. And when you were talking about the number one uh, uh, thing that seems mm-hmm. to determine success, getting a job, you were talking about the prior uh, experience and the new legislation. Now, how, what do you mean? What would you do there? What type of prior experience? Yeah, prior paid work experience. So getting jobs, you know, part-time jobs, uh, nights, weekends, uh, summer, summer employment, all of these things are a priority under the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act. And we're in a unique situation where we can assist uh, by connecting, helping businesses. Um, we can help pay the, the salary, the, the pay of these individuals who will come work uh, for a business and we can help with accommodations. Um, if you're a business owner uh, in, in the United States, uh, and you want to employ someone, uh, if you have opportunities for employment, I suggest you reach out to your state vocational rehabilitation agencies and, and your blindness agencies, because we'll, we'll come and we'll figure out uh, how we can get someone working there, and uh, if we can do work-based learning experience, which is basically a part-time job, and we can uh, help pay their salary on the job and also help accommodate them and, and make sure that they're able to do the job. We can provide on-the-job training, uh, like job coaching as well, uh, to individuals, uh, adults, uh, for, for students, it's more of uh, working with them and, and training them, and we can do that too. So, yeah. You know what? That is awesome. For employers, that is really great. Uh, and I hope if you're listening, you realize what a great opportunity this is for you as a business. You know, so, so you really need to think about that. Talent and being able to work with someone that will pay for the services and help with accommodations. Uh, uh, you know, what more could you ask for? So, uh, Joe, I know there have, you've seen many changes uh, that I think you believe will be more impactful at BBVS. Can you talk about that? What is your opinion there? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've, I've been in, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania for a little over two years, two years and a couple months. And in that small time, uh, we've been able to make some changes that will impact how we're providing services, but also making services sustainable. That independent living older blind program is a, when you look at uh, individuals over 55, we're the fifth largest program in the country or fifth largest population over 55. If we're, if you look over 65, we're the fourth largest population uh, if you look over the age of 75, we're the third largest population in the country. And um, just making sure that our programs are be- able to meet the needs of our customers. So we, we changed a little bit and, and started looking at how we were spending our dollars and making sure that we were giving those real skills. Uh, we weren't just buying devices. We wanted to make sure that uh, we're utilizing our professionals in the best manner and, and our dollars in the best manner and, and impacting the most uh, customers possible. So I've, I've really honed how we're, we're providing those services specific to independent living older blind program and, and really utilizing the talented staff I work with to help evaluate 
uh, where those costs are going, how we're utilizing them, and, and what we could do, be doing better, and, and really providing more training to our staff. We probably provide more continuing education in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania to our staff within the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation and the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services than any other state. Uh, that, that came from another one of our technical assistance bodies. One of the universities was telling us that uh, because they, they helped uh, facilitate a couple of our sessions. We, we really believe in the, the staff we have and the professionals and, and the skills they can bring to our customers. It's not all about spending the dollars. And if you can make those dollars uh, cover more individuals, why not? And, and, and that's something I've really impacted in my time here. Um, and we've also moved our training center for our Randolph Shepherd program, our business enterprise program, from uh, Johnstown, PA, where it was at the Hiram G. Andrews Center, to a high-volume cafeteria uh, location in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the Keystone uh, building, where we built out a computer lab, and we do uh, have our training uh, center right in a viable location where the trainees going through the program get a real experience that uh, will be prepare them better for uh, for going out into other locations and and they get uh, feedback from another third party as well as our professionals working with them. Wow. Yeah, I think that I have also seen you make more of a move to work uh, clo- more closely with businesses. Oh, definitely. I You know, I'm, that's something I definitely brought to uh, the Commonwealth and my boss, David DiNoteris is excellent at that as well. And we're both passionate about working with employers and businesses. And, uh, you know, prior to coming to the, uh, Pennsylvania, I was with the American Foundation for the Blind, and I, I participated with the United States Business Leadership Network, who I extremely I value uh, my partnership with. I still volunteer with them, and, and I know you're a big partner of, of theirs as well, Joyce. Um, and I really think that you have to be at the table with employers and be uh, right in their face. You know, they have to see you and see the skills you bring. Um, so if I can't demonstrate it to an employer, uh, they're not going to believe it. And I want to make sure that businesses are buying into persons with disabilities as an untapped resource or underutilized resource. And, and seeing people, seeing past the disability and seeing the talents and skills we bring to the table. Um, and I, I believe the USBUN has provided me that kind of forum in a lot of ways to work with employers and, and probably the practical skills. But even before that, back in New Jersey, I worked with a lot of small businesses and even some like city governments uh, when it wasn't my job because I, I, I knew the end goal is employment. And if we get our customers, our individuals with disabilities, into uh, working with employers, and the more experience you get working with a business or an employer, the more comfortable you're going to be. And that's when it comes down to it, it's about self-awareness and being comfortable. Right, and I'll tell you what, I want to also mention David Dino Terrace, what a great person. He is also, so I agree with you, and shout out to him also. And we're going to get ready to go to break. If you just joined us, we are talking to Joe Strecce, a national disability rights leader and the director of Pennsylvania's Bureau of Blind and Visual Services. We're going to go to break, but we'll be right back with Joe. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Pawstars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up, but I dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Pawn Stars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. Since 1985, 
Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, and thanks for listening to the show. We are talking to Joe Strecce, who is the director of Pennsylvania Bureau of Blind and Visual Services, a national disability rights leader, and someone I am so fortunate to call my friend. And you know what? While we were on break, we just started talking about how we are, we are so disgusted with the <laughs> plight of people with disabilities gaining employment. And, you know, I always say on this show, 1990, ADA signed, all these great things happened. Mm-hmm. Captioning, Braille, you know, now video relay, access to homes, curb cuts, ability to, you know, get on uh, the bus, no longer can you ask what is your disability on an interview, but that seems to be on the interview where it stops right there because still the needle has not moved Mm -hmm. on the area of the employment of people with disabilities. And all my listeners know at Bender Consulting Services where we work to provide employment for people with disabilities, this is my life crusade. And it is so frustrating that Joe and I, here we are, 2018, Mm -hmm. we're still talking about. So, Joe, I will ask you, why do you think the employment of people with disabilities is so low? Why are so many people with disabilities unemployed in the United States? What's your opinion? I think there are a number of reasons. I, I think one large reason is misconceptions and misunderstanding. You know, I, I really believe uh, it's individuals' comfort levels. And, and when we're meeting with an employer, uh, the number one thing you're trying to do is create a comfort and, uh, and a level of trust between you and the employer. And I, I would say that both sides make mistakes. I, I think persons with disabilities make mistakes. I think employers make mistakes, whether they realize it or not. I, I think understanding who you are and, and how to talk about yourself in a positive manner and talk about your disability and your accommodations, um, I would say 90-some percent of my interactions are positive, and, and that's because I, I'm able to talk about how I access things and, and use practical terms. And when I, when I talk about a screen reader, I explain that a screen reader is a software that uh, takes the information presented in a textual format on the screen and it provides that in an audible format or in, I can access it in a, a refreshable Braille uh, display, which uh, is basically needles popping up to form Braille cells of the text uh, uh, information from a screen. Um, but, you know, I, I think there are a lot of reasons. I, I really think there's a lot of misconceptions between uh, the public uh, and employers uh, around individuals with disabilities, not understanding like uh, the talent they bring, but also uh, that statistics show that a person with disabilities is more likely to stay in a job longer. You know, uh, that the co- average cost of an accommodation, I don't know if it's changed any, but I think Jan said something like $500 uh, is the average that's, cost. Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's and, right. and majority people really, it's it's going to be very little dollars, majority individuals with disabilities. Um, there's so many different types of disabilities out there. There's like 72% of persons with disabilities are non-apparent disabilities too. So they're, they're coming to the table and you might not even know it. Um, and you, you want to make sure that your, your environment as an employer is... Uh, 
is inclusive because you're, most likely your customers are persons with disabilities too, a percentage of them. And you're not coming up with ideas and the services that are needed to uh, meet their needs as well. And, and having those people working for you, individuals with disabilities, helps meet those needs because they're going to bring those ideas, those, uh, the, the next big thing that's going to help uh, bring your services to the next, next level. I, I think there are a lot of misconceptions, and, and, and I really do believe it, it, there's a comfort level. And I think the job seeker also has to have a comfort level and understanding and uh, when going into an interview, but also just dealing with employers and businesses. Um, the disclosure process in general can be difficult to navigate, and I, I know people, there, there's no right or wrong answer, but I believe in being proactive. I want to take, uh, take charge of my messaging. I want to make sure that uh, the message that is delivered is from my mouth and not from someone else's uh, misconceptions or their thoughts or uh, what they read online or they've seen in a television show or a movie. I want to make sure that we're we're telling the story. Yeah, and uh, you know how many times do people have to hear this? I mean, it's not a charity. Okay, when you hire mm-hmm. a person with a disability, it's not for charity. It's a business decision. People with disabilities don't want pity. They want paychecks. They want people to treat uh-huh. them equally, and you're missing out. You're missing mm-hmm. if right you on. don't hire this great talent that's out there. You're missing. So I, 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 hope, that, I hope you're listening. Yeah, and I, I think another little barrier that uh, specific to blindness is really the accessibility, like a pri- proprietary software and, and some websites even, uh, you know, being able to navigate independently and making sure that uh, we're, we're providing the regulations and the guidance to businesses, but also the state, aid, state government to uh, federal government that will allow individuals to access information easily uh, and equally. You know, uh, I'm really passionate about accessibility. It, it's, it's, it's not just a, uh, something I want, it's a right. I have the right to access information. I have the right to be able to access information like everyone else and uh, be able to, because I want to participate in the community. I want to p- participate in the world and, and our virtual world within the Internet and, uh, and technology is all part of it. We've come a long way with the 21st Century Communications Video and Accessibility Act, um, and, and, and we're, we're going further, 508 and uh, but uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to get into uh, some of the deregulation, but uh, uh, the regulations, uh, uh, WCAG and uh, and such, uh, allowing people standards to go by and and allowing them uh, to create accessible products and and really, if if we're not educating employers and businesses, we're never gonna uh, get there unless technology surpasses and comes up with with a new way to get access. Yeah, and you know, this digital access, I mean, uh, as Joe was just saying, it's a right. You know, just like you used to go to, uh, if you go to a building, you have to be able to get in the door. It has to be Mm -hmm. accessible. Well, now that door is digital. And, you know, today, where do you shop on Amazon? You know, mm-hmm. on the, uh, it's all digital, everything, you know, and how do you bank? And how do you go look at your benefits? And how do you do digital accessibility? So if you don't have that, you are cutting out a portion of the population, blind, deaf, uh, learning disabilities, intellectual disabilities, mobility issues. I mean, you know, you need to be accessible. And uh, you know, Joe, that that plays into employment, just as you said. 100%. 100%. So here's my question. Why do you think companies aren't, why don't they take this seriously? I mean, you know, I, I was just telling Jenny Leigh Fleury, the chief accessibility officer from Microsoft, on the show last week, I, I can't tell you how many times business people will say, when you talk about must be accessible, yeah, yeah, but like they're not, oh my God, we've got to get this taken care of. Uh, why do you think that is? I think there's some misunderstandings, too. I, I think... A lot of people think it's harder than it really is. I also, um, you know, 
often people design contracts and they'll contract something out and then they'll put should be, you know, accessible and, uh, and they don't know, have it defined and nor are they actually checking to see if it works. Like, uh, you know, most automated checkers that are, are checking for accessibility uh, catch about 20% of what, what is out there and then you need some manual checking as well. Uh, you know, organizations such as uh, Bender and, and, uh, and such really are, useful in making sure that someone's website is accessible um, and, and as you're changing things. But once you learn how, what you're doing and you train your engineers, uh, it makes a big difference. I have a lot of friends who work in that, that, uh, that area and they work with companies to make sure that they're, they're staying accessible and training their engineers on, on how to do things in the right way. Um, a lot of times it's, it, you know, people are slapping things together or looking for the cheapest price when they're uh, looking for a consultant, that doesn't mean they know what they're doing. If you build things properly, it will be accessible. And, and I, I think we have made some steps forward, but, you know, every step forward, you, I, I think you take 10 steps forward, you take a couple back. Um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's an issue. And I think the more we make people aware, and, and, and people aren't aware unless you tell them. So I believe in uh, passing on information around accessibility of websites and, and other technologies that I utilize every day because the ones I'm going to utilize are accessible because I want to be able to access my bank account independently. I want to be able to shop, as you said, independently. And, and that's who, how I choose my uh, products. And not only that, say you employ a person with a disability. Mm-hmm. Okay, the website's accessible. But if your internal applications aren't accessible, how do you think you're going to keep that employee? Or how do you think that's fair to that employee? I mean, we're talking internal and external applications must be accessible. Um, you know what Jenny LeFleury said? If you talk to someone and they say, I'm pretty sure it's accessible, then, then it's not. You, you know, you either are or you aren't. Jenny's amazing. I'm a big fan of Jenny, and I know a lot of her team as well. And, uh, yeah, I agree 100%. If people are always like, I think it's accessible, it, it's not. And, and it, there can be some small fixes. And we have a, a team here at, within our Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services, and we've been really providing input uh, to the rest of the Commonwealth. We've become the accessibility folks and uh, trying to help everyone make sure that their engineers know what they're doing and uh, as we're procuring things that they're going to be accessible and and trying to fix other things and and it's a constant battle and we work we're working really hard at it and we want to make sure that we're planning and 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 providing and and trying to plan out what we're how what's not accessible how we can fix it when it's going to be done and when we're moving on yeah so Remember, access, digital access is a right, not, oh, we should have it. Maybe we should Mm -hmm. think about it. It's a right under the ADA. Don't forget that. So, Joe, now you were talking earlier about uh, how you can work with businesses, but how, how can... Uh, a business work best with you? Like, what's, what should they do? What's the process? And could you also give us an example of how this has been successful? Definitely. Great question. Um, so we have a business services representatives, but we also have our, in our local offices uh, people that are our single point of contact, and we believe in a single point of contact. We don't want an employer to have to go through five different people or have five different people asking them uh, for the same information or trying to uh, work with them and not meeting the needs and dropping the ball. We want to make sure that single point of contact is facilitating a relationship. Um, They, individuals, businesses, employers who want to work with us can reach out to the local office. They can reach out to any of us and we will, we will direct them to the single point of contact. If we don't have a single point of contact, we will create one. We want to make sure the process is easy for the employer and the business. We want to make sure that they have the opportunity to find out about our services in an efficient manner and that if they have a problem, if we have a customer working with, uh, with them and, and a problem arises, we want to be able to address it quickly um, and, and not have them have to wait a long period of time. Um, really, uh, we've really enhanced how our business services uh, have been provided here in the in Pennsylvania due to the skills of Ralph Roach, who's put together a team here. He's our uh, business service rep- representative uh, chief here, 
uh, he uh, really facilitates our team and makes sure that they're they're handling and uh, and we worked with about six thousand employers uh, last year. We worked with about six thousand. Six thousand. Wow. And ha- have you seen like an improvement in their ability to move forward from you working with them? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, and and some of those. As you asked before, and I didn't answer the specific relationships, I have seen some improvements, and and we've been able to develop some big partnerships with Starbucks. Uh, We have the largest uh, roasting plant, I think, in North America. Uh, It's soon to be the largest one in the world here and out near York, Pennsylvania, and uh, really developing out and and making an inclusion academy with them uh, where we're working with persons with disabilities and making sure they have the skills, but uh, leading into employment, working with them. And then we have uh, a partnership with uh, SAP, one of the largest financial softwares out there, um, trying to help identify their need, but they do some pre-employment transition work but also working with adults to college students who have uh, a background in financial uh, in finance or in uh, computer programming and or engineering and uh, helping them get in the door and then uh, be successful whether with SAP or in another organization one of those individuals who participated in that program left and uh, I went to work for Google for I think it was like a hundred and seventy thousand dollars I would, that's not the norm, but you, ne- you never know what is possible. Uh, but it took uh, alternative uh, interview process. He was an individual with autism, um, you know, being able to access the work, work world in a different way. Standard interviews are uh, not the best for every individual and, and was specific to some persons with disabilities. And so making sure that we're, we're meeting the needs of the employer, but we're also uh, putting our customers in the best light and the best situation for their success, getting employers to recognize the talent of the individuals. And, uh, and really, you have to listen to the employer and, and meet their needs. Um, we've seen a big change. Uh, we definitely more employers coming to us. Uh, we're, we're selling our relationships with them as well. You know, we, we design our annual report. It's a calendar, and it has uh, QR codes and linked to videos about uh, how we've worked with these different businesses. And our number one sales person is, is those employers selling, uh, selling us to other employers. We, we can help uh, provide talent, and if, if we don't have the talent, we'll connect with our partners to work with them to get you the talent that you need. Um, you know, we, if we can't solve your, solve your needs or fill the need, we'll, we'll make sure that someone else can also assist us. Now, that Starbucks plant in York, PA, what do they do? Uh, it's the largest roasting plant. It's where they actually roast the beans. Um, okay, so, because uh, I just want to tell you, I'm going to go there incognito. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, yep. I mean, I love Starbucks coffee. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I cannot imagine the fragrance, the aroma, when you are in that uh, building. No, I'm not going to go there. I just am saying that's how much I love Starbucks coffee. Wow, that's great that they're there. But that's great, the work you're doing. That is fantastic. So, Joe, look how successful you've been. Even with all that stuff that you had to put up with, all that baloney that you had to deal with, you know, you, you still made it. And not only did you make it, you're a director, you know, you're in a prestigious government, state government organization. So here is my question. Who who do you believe? Who is your role model now, past, uh, present, whenever? Who who is it? I'll tell you, you know, I have multiple role models. David DiNotero is my boss, is a role model for sure. He's mentored me. Uh, I I look up to you, Joyce. Uh, I look up to a lot of successful persons with uh, disabilities. Um, You know, in the past, Eric Weinmeier, who's an individual who summited Mount Everest, uh, has given me advice as well. And I I, I reach out to a lot of successful people because I believe in surrounding myself with the people doing the work that I want to do. Um, yeah, I, I would say David, yourself, um, you all inspire me uh, to want to be successful. I read a lot about Jenny LaFurry, and uh, she is super impressive, and uh, getting to meet her and talk to her uh, just blew my mind. Uh, she just, the voice she brings to Microsoft is tremendous, being a chief accessibility officer, and, and it, it makes me uh, hopeful uh, in the direction we're moving in, uh, in uh, the public sector. 
in private. Well, thank you. Such a compliment. Um, but I want to I want to pick up on something you said. You know, when you were talking about Eric climbing yeah. Mount Everest, mm-hmm. whenever someone says to me about, oh, you know, with this blind person, would they be able to do this? And I say, okay, could they be an entry-level accountant? And yet, Eric climbed Mount Everest. Now, let's think about that. What do you think? I, I, I totally mean, that agree. just uh, I, that just amazes me that mm-hmm. people think that. And here's a man that climbed Mount Everest, but um, but we're working on it, Joe. We keep working on it together. We keep working on it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you already have listed some of the things, but you have had so many accomplishments in your young life of 39. Such a child you are. such a young person you are but look how much you've accomplished more than many at your age without disabilities but of all the things you've done uh, what what would you consider your greatest accomplishment I think my greatest accomplishment is um, I I feel like being in the position I'm in but I really think it's it's what I give back to uh, to other individuals with disabilities. So uh, it's the stuff that I'm not paid for. It's the mentorship that I give back to young people and, and, and adults who, uh, with disabilities because I mentor a lot of people. It's not just blindness. And, um, and I, I've met them through, uh, some of them through the USBLN, uh, their mentorship program, the Rising Leaders program. But I've also met them through just other connections and friends around the country. So I spend a, every Two weeks, I connect with a, a young man who's 14 with the same eye condition I have, and he's lost most of his vision now, and, uh, and he's dealing with that, and he's uh, ripping it up. He's, uh, he's uh, a, a skimboarder. He competes in skimboarding uh, in, uh, in national competition, and he's a very impressive young guy who wants to be uh, working meteorology, but uh, specific to oceanic uh, currents and waves. Um, really an impressive young man. So I think one of my biggest accomplishments is just being able to be connect with other persons with disabilities and, and help them navigate uh, the process and help them uh, find their way because that's, that's what made a difference for me and I want to make sure I give back. You know what? I got to tell you something. I've been doing this show, what, 15 years? Every Tuesday, you are the first person that said their greatest accomplishment was giving back, and that is what I love about you, Joe Strache. Oh, That's thank you. you, Joyce. I love that you and Mary is you. as well. That, that is you. Um, okay, so Joe, first of all, thank you so much for being uh, my guest today, uh, and uh, it has been great having you. What message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, what, one of my favorite things is, uh, take measured risks. Put yourself out there. You never know what is possible. Take measured risk. What great advice is that? Well, I hope you have enjoyed our show today with Joe Strecce. Um And I want you to just remind all of your friends that did not hear the show today but you want them to, to go to BenderConsult.com, to radio, or to VoiceAmerica.com. Tell everyone about it. And we are going to be talking next week to Apoorva Gandhi, the Chief Diversity Inclusion Officer for the Marriott, who is also on a campaign to increase the employment of people with disabilities. We end every show with a quote, and today that quote is from Helen Keller, who said, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week with Apoorva. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.